0: Hello, my name is Andrew Denny, and I welcome you to Couture and Construction, a weekly podcast featuring conversations with talented, prominent guests to shed light on the stories behind the scenes of luxury build and design. This week, we're joined by Bew White of Summer Classics. Dude. Episode 71, Outdoor Living with Summer Classics. Hey, it's May, and we're ready to kick off summer with a new theme. This month, we're diving in, pun intended, to everyone's favorite topic, summer living. From creating an outdoor living space you'll love, designing your vacation home, gardening, and summer entertaining, we've got you covered. Tune in every Monday this May to get all the tips and inspiration you need to spring into summer. We're less than a month away from Memorial Day weekend, the unofficial start of summer. As the temps get warmer, flowers bloom, and the smell of barbecue lingers in the air, we're increasingly lured to the outdoors. It's time to start getting your home ready for outdoor living. On today's episode, we are excited to welcome Bu White, an entrepreneur, author, and chairman of the board of Gabriella White and its brand, Summer Classics, and Gabby and Wendy Jane. In 2013, Bue was named Entrepreneur of the Year by the Society of International Business Fellows. And in 2021, he received a Lifetime Achievement Award from the International Casual Furnishings Association. Bue is also the subject of the biography, A Summer Classic, The Bue White Story, by Christopher Taunton. Beginning his entrepreneurial journey at age 28, and despite many ups and downs, Bue eventually created a business model based on providing consumer-driven products that would not go out of style. With a degree in textile engineering, he has taken luxury outdoor living to a new level through his line, Summer Classics. Bue, welcome! Thank you so much for joining us. Really, a pleasure to have you.
1: Thanks, Andrew. Great to be here.
0: So, you have had uh, quite a run of it. Yeah. So incredible uh, run. So yeah. uh, let's. Uh, I, I kind of want to. Before we dive into some of the topics, I want to know, view the person. So where are you from? Kind of family. Uh, Tell us a little bit about yourself. Wow.
1: How much time you got? Can I I get 30 minutes there? (laughs) Just no kidding. But, uh, well, this is is actually in the book. My Mm great-grandfather... Was uh, governor of Alabama and a senator, and started a company that became a Fortune 500 company. Oh wow! Called Avondale Mills. Okay. And so, I, when I went to college, I decided I wanted to get, you know, get inside the company. So I took a, degree, I have a degree in textile engineering and hmm. and uh, textile management, so I could run a textile mill. Oh, that's right? pretty cool. But then I'm really a salesman. Mm-hmm. So when I when I went to started interviewing. Everybody I said, "Why do you want to be a salesman? You're going to have to live in New York City." And I was like, "I'm okay with that." They're like, "You'll live in New York City?" You know, so nobody from Alabama was yeah, yeah, living. Yeah. I said, "Yeah, I've been in New York a lot. I'm, I'm, I'm good with it." So I was very unusual in the fact that I'm, I moved to New York City to work for for Avondale. And so, but when I was up there, Ralph Lauren had just started.
0: Oh wow!
1: And and nobody was on his account. Well, nobody even knew who he was really. And I was fascinated with his model, so I went and started calling on him. And he couldn't meet our minimums. We had a 5,000-yard minimum. So, <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, but I was—I kept calling on him, and, and George Lauren was really the guy I called on because he was a buyer, and he looked at fabrics. And so, uh, But his model, back then everything was made in the United States. Mm-hmm. And so we were calling cutters, mm-hmm. people that cut and sewed, mm-hmm. mostly pants. As we were making material for jeans, and, and he was just getting in the khaki business. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I said, I, I, I met with them. I was like, I don't, this is a really different model. How, how does it work? He said, Well, we don't own any factories, but it gives us the ability to move anywhere we want to move. We just get people to make product for us. All these factories have extra production. As long as they stick with our specs and design, our design, and we use our fabrics then I can move into any category I want. I could even do women's wear, which he wasn't doing at the time. He was pretty much doing ties and polo shirts. Mm -hmm. So I was like, man, I love this model because it's so flexible. Mm -hmm. So I said, if I ever do anything, I want to do something like this.
0: So... Isn't that amazing that you kind yeah. of got your inspiration from the yeah. Ralph Lauren?
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, so the other, here's the next thing that happened was after I got in there, I got married right as I, and went to New York almost a you know month after I got married, and then uh, I'm I'm up there and three of my cousins came in right after me. I was like, man, this is going to be a bloodbath. I'm going to have you know my cousin. I'm going to be fifty or something, and I'm going to be president of Avondale, and I got all these all my buddies, cousins behind me. And I was like, I'm gonna, I I need to see if I can be an entrepreneur myself because mm-hmm. I was calling on entrepreneurs. So one day I went out to lunch with one of the guys. He had like four employees. I was mm-hmm. like, you mind telling me what you pay yourself? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He said, no, that's fine. Not. So he told me, I was like, man, you make more than the president of Avondale Mills Fortune 500 company. He <laughs> said, well, I can pay myself. If I can make money, I can pay myself whatever I yeah. want. Yeah. I said, man, I think I want to go. This is the direction I want to go. My father was on the board of Avondale, and I went to him and said, I really think, you know, I kind of went through the bloodbath. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm going to get B-50 and be disappointed. Mm -hmm. I think I want to have my own company, Mm -hmm. and how do I do that? Mm -hmm. And so he helped me find something, Mm -hmm. which is unusual because you would think my mother's a comer, and that's who started the thing, you know. (laughs) But they totally supported me and. So I started out on my own, and I found a company. It was a disaster. <laughs> I took a salary less than half of what I was making. The company took them. I gave them a piece of money. I gave them 25% of my net worth. Oh, my goodness. And they lost it. I mean, it was just after i looked at financials or saw what was going on inside the yeah. company i was like well that money was <laughs> that, gone that was payroll you know that was just gone <laughs> they were losing money so quick i was like <laughs> so after i was there nine months i left and started my own company <clears throat> i started a company called <throat> called vista corporation hmm. which i got the name from my father was on the board of southern airways oh wow and so and you, i don't know if you go back that oh, far but Southern Airways was merging with North Central. And so he came to me and said, Man. Hey, come up. Well, you're kind of cool with this stuff. Come up with a name for the new airline. Oh. So I worked on it. I worked on it. And I did a logo. <laughs> it was like had an arrow on it and everything. <laughs> and it was uh, Vista Airlines, which means looking over the next horizon. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. thought, That's a great This is a great oh, yeah. name. Yeah. You know, yeah. I gave him a whole sales pitch. Mm-hmm. He goes to the board meeting, comes back. I was like, What did they decide? What did they say? <laughs> he said, Well, they decided to call it Republic Airlines. <laughs> I was like, ugh, that's a terrible name. <laughs> can I have it? Can I, you say, Could I have that name? Because I'm, you know, I'm, yep, I'm yep. going to start my own company. Well, you can have it if you can get it. <laughs> so I f- applied for a trademark. I got it, and I started Vista Corporation as a rep company, and I would go to small manufacturers. i go to High Point and mm-hmm. go to small manufacturers because now I'm in the furniture business because mm-hmm. the company that I bought in Birmingham made furniture. That kind of okay. took me out of textiles and put me in furniture. And they were making modern furniture, so, which was pretty unusual for mm-hmm. that time. And so, uh, so I started this Vista Corporation. I'd go to these small manufacturers and say, I'll do your—I'll sell your—I already know the reps. I'll hire reps. Pay me a 10% commission. I'll pay them seven and then I'll manage them, yeah. and I'll tell you what to make. Mm-hmm. And I'm 28 years old, I don't know anything. You know, but I, they would do it. Yeah, yeah. And I got some really big contracts. I started selling Ikea and people like this. I'm like, oh, going. wow. Yeah. I was selling, Wow. I was selling all the federated department stores. Wow. But then the reps would come, find out I was making a piece of their action, and they came wow. back around and screwed me. And I went, okay, this model's not going to work. <laughs> so I became a rep for the Southeast Mm -hmm. and I, and I ran into a guy selling outdoor furniture in Jackson, Mississippi. Mm. He said, Hey, we're opening a plant in Atlanta. You Mm. need to go get that line. Mm. So I was like, I was always looking for lines or how to, I can make more money. (laughs) So I picked up this line and it was, it got me in the outdoor furniture business. And I was like, wow, this is a lot easier to sell than modern furniture. (laughs) So I started selling outdoor furniture and then I got to know it really well. Well, I did as, as it turned out, by the time I'm like 38, I'm like going, you know, I don't like what I'm selling for myself. Mm-hmm. And I don't like anything that Brown Jordan or all these other people mm-hmm. make, the mm-hmm. Tropitone, Brown Jordan, mm-hmm. Woodard. I knew everything everybody because I had to compete with yeah, them before. sure, sure. So I had to know what they made, quality, mm-hmm. you know, paint. I had to know everything about everything. And everything was made in the United States back then. Oh, Yeah. So then I referred back to my Ralph Lawrence business. I said, you know, and and then the market would change. The market would go from aluminum to wood to plastic came yep, in. And all yep, these guys yep. from overseas started mm-hmm. selling plastic in the market. I was like, man, somebody needs to make what the market wants instead of what the factory makes. Don't be limited mm-hmm. to, this is what the factory makes. So I'm going to make that. And then be really nimble, quick to mm-hmm. change on design. And go smell the market. Mm-hmm. Know where the market's going, Constantly look at what's happening. Color, you know, everything, everything. Fabric color, uh, product design, uh, and also sure. materials. So it's aluminum. I mean, when resin Wicker came in, that was a huge change, <laughs> market change. So, <clears throat> so that's what I did. And I, and I said, I'm going to do captive factories because Ralph Lauren was saying you, the really the way to control quality is is to you don't own the factory, but it's captive, and you can control the mm-hmm. production, and you can control the quality. So they make it exactly the way you want to. So I started going around. And I set up a plant in Chile because Chile was the first plant. I, remember, I don't know if I'm going off too long here. No, Is this no. too much? I love it. All right. So I, so I go off to Chile because NAFTA was first signed with Chile. That's right. And then afterwards, everybody thinks it's Canada and Mexico, and mm-hmm. it was mm-hmm. later on, mm-hmm. but it was Chile first. And this was back in the 80s, and so Chile, mm-hmm. Chile was coming to markets mm-hmm. and showing product. And I, was, I started talking to these guys. I was like, I want to come down to your plant. So I'd go down there, and I ended up setting up a plant in Chile to make market umbrellas originally and, and then something. furniture. And then I got going with them, and that, and I was making painted wooden furniture. Nobody in the market was making that.
0: And that's something.
1: And it was so unusual that the typical patio store, like your next door neighbor here, mm-hmm. wouldn't buy it because they were so used to selling aluminum strap furniture and textiline sling and all that. So they were they didn't look at me. But it, my customers ended up being Crate and Barrel, Restoration Hardware, Front Gate, Smith and Hawkin, and you know these big uh, yeah, William bad. Sonoma, not, not bad. William yeah, the, yeah. the master retailers, is yeah. what I call them. Mm-hmm. And then I saw I got really big with them. I got really big selling to these big boys. And then they started asking me not to put my name on there and to put their box. Um, I went, like, okay, this is not going to go. My brand, they don't want my brand, mm-hmm. and, which is understandable. Yeah, they yeah. want their brand. They want to build their brand. I'm going to lose my brand. <clears throat> so I'm going to have to do something. I'm going to have to start opening my own stores. And I was selling dealers too, but that, sure. my big market was these master retailers, mm-hmm. so I call them. And so then, then I started opening my own stores and I tried to get license seeds. I tried to get my dealers mm. to open to switch. This was really hard. I thought it was going to be easy, but it was extremely difficult to get a store, Joe's Patio. Mm-hmm. I said, Well, you're Joe's Patio. Mm-hmm. I'm Summer Classics. That's a great name. And you can, you know, look how much I'm selling in a store. Yeah. I sell a couple million dollars a year and you're not even doing a million and a half. Yeah. And you can be a immediate success. You don't have to do anything. You have one vendor. You have to worry about anything. I, you know, and they just went, nah, I'm not going to do that. I was like, okay, well, <laughs> I need to open more of these, and maybe, they'll, maybe I'll have more credibility. I've got to prove myself. Yeah, and I can yeah. show them financials from mm-hmm. multiple stores. Mm-hmm. They're all making money, and they can mm-hmm. make money. Well, I started opening. I, I did a big push back in 2004, 5, 6, 7, and opening stores, and then 8 hit. Oh jeepers! And I was, and we were we were doubling every three and a half years. So you had this, you had uh, I was always out of money.
0: I was, I was like, because <laughs> when you're doubling, you, you well, that's going to resonate a lot with our listeners because I'm always out of money. Yeah, and anybody that's in business is always out of money. I mean, you always need more money. It's always back invested into that growth. If you're doubling every three and a half years, it's it's tied up. So it's it's not like it's being blown but it's being invested and to, to finance the growth. So a lot of people, that's going to resonate with a lot of our listeners. Well, I didn't I didn't
1: realize that you could grow yourself out of business. Yeah, no. I yeah. think a lot of people don't. My my father, that was another thing. He said, you know, you can grow yourself out of business. How's that? It's like, well, you're, you've got to have more inventory. You're going to change your inventory and receivables. There's going to be a spread between the time you pay your vendor mm-hmm. from the time you collect it from mm-hmm. your client. And we were given crazy terms. Mm-hmm. We give because we're in the outdoor furniture business. We'll ship you in October, and you don't have to pay us till like June. No, oh, wow. Yeah, So it's a really it's a, you're you're holding those receivables a really long time. So I was constantly out of money. So I mm-hmm. developed this saying, "Never run out of money." Mm-hmm. Was like I was constantly. I had to learn to read a financial statement, mm-hmm. which I was not. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. I was a salesman, I and a textile engineer on top yeah, of that. On top of yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So now I got to understand how to read a financial, <laughs> or I'm going to go out of business. If I can't <laughs> read this thing, you know, and figure out what I'm doing wrong and right. So <laughs> that is it's. it's Learning through the school—you could call it a school of hard knocks. I call it an MBA in mistakes. Yeah, yeah, Where that's a great way to put it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then figure out what you did wrong.
0: And, and then, then, and then sometimes, if, in my case, me. I have to make that same mistake three or four times <laughs> yeah. before I get the lesson. Uh, there, you know, sometimes it's uh, the school of hard knocks requires some really hard knocking. Um, so that's 2008, um, and. Uh, I'm sure it was turbulent times. So where is the company now? H- help me understand. O- over that last, gosh, it's hard to believe that's 15 years now. <clears throat> 15 years. What's happened over the last 15 years with Summer Classics?
1: We've doubled and then we've doubled again. I mean, it's been incredible. I think Gabby has a lot to do with growth, too. Gabby. So I bought... Uh, one this is pretty close to where you are I bought a store in Huntsville mm-hmm. that was mixing antiques and indoor furniture with uh, outdoor and I really mm. love the way it looked it kind of mm-hmm. softened you know hard, generally outdoor furniture kind of has a hard look it's just a mm-hmm. metal with mm-hmm. strap or sling or mm-hmm. and doesn't have a lot of fabric to it and we're gurus on fabric but mm-hmm. of not my background but but I started mixing this indoor furniture in with it and I was like this looks so much better. Mm. And, and, I can, and I was always looking for things to sell in the uh, to season, you know, October to March. Oh, sure, sure. And so uh, so I started that. That got my son interested in coming in. And he came in and he said, I was calling it SC Home, Summer Classics Home. He said, I really think we should call it something. It needs to be, doesn't need to be associated with Summer Classics. That's too much outdoor. Mm-hmm. All right. What do you want to call it? So he said, I think he came up with a bunch of names and he picked Gabby. My mother's name is Gabriella, so Mm. he used that Mm tie-in to that. And it's been on fire ever since. He he opened in 2010 in January in Atlanta, and it's just been an incredible ride. Really? How fun. They're up 100% so far this year. Goodness. It's unbelievable. Wow. They're going to be, in wholesale, they'll be bigger than us probably this year. Really? retail, Retail and contract, we're dominant in our model but gabby is just it's it's interesting because when we started we were, i was going to china with him and working on new product design and we, we were getting ready to do this re- recycle wood line mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we knew Resto was over there with us they were right on top of us well they flew their samples in <laughs> shot it and put it in their catalog and we went wow they they're right in front of us I said, well, we're fine. I mean, they, they had their stores. We'll sell their dealers. They'll love mm. it. And they're like, no, I'm going to change everything. I was like, you're kidding, right? <laughs> like, you have got a lot invested invest in this. No, I'm going to change it. I have an idea. I'm going to do this French petite look. I was like, okay, go ahead. <laughs> I was like, i got to save the company because yeah, it was 2008. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. of it's kind of great for me because I got him in 2008, and he couldn't go anywhere because yeah, he couldn't get yeah, another couldn't job. Yeah, he couldn't get another job. Yeah, so, so you're like, in it. Yeah, you're Trial in it. Trial by fire. And it turned out to be a great thing for him and and us too. So it's that worked. And then Gabby's just absolutely on fire. It's a, it's great to watch.
0: Yeah, oh, that's fantastic. That must be very uh, fun, but also very make you very proud.
1: Yeah, proud and rewarding. And 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 it, there's something called the tipping point. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, Yeah. And I I had really never reached it. It's where it's where your volume and your profits. Mm-hmm hit mm-hmm. perfectly. Mm-hmm. And then the more you ship, the more you make. Mm-hmm. So we went past that tipping point. Really recently, within the last eight years, we've hit this where we're, our volume has gotten so big. I mean, we'll grow $60 million this year. That's an incredible... Wow. Yeah. that never run out of money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. So there you like, go. I was like, William, you're so lucky that we can finance... This kind of growth, because back in the day, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't dare tell a bike that we were yeah. trying to increase our volume by that kind of number. Wow. They go crazy. The bikes don't even like it when you're no. going fast. So this, yeah, is, unless like, you're this is like software. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: That is fantastic. Yeah. So Summer Classics is a brand, but it's also stores. And then there's, there's Gabby. So kind of tell me, give me an overview of the entire brand.
1: Okay, well, Summer Classics and Gabby are primarily wholesale brands. Okay. okay. And that is selling to designers. Probably mm-hmm. designers is over 50% of our volume. Okay. And then uh, designers, decorators, you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm, there. Mm-hmm, some some mm-hmm. have shops, some mm-hmm, don't, work mm-hmm. out of their house. And then uh, dealers, mm-hmm. so stores. You know, like Colo. Like, like Colo, yeah, like next to you.
0: Or, uh, uh, you know, we have. It a, could be a patio store or a furniture yeah, yep. store. We okay. used to sell
1: Mr. T's when he was here. Mm-hmm. So that, those kind of things. That's that's for summer classes. But Gabby has. I bet they have eight dealers here in Nashville. Really? At least, because it's a really diverse line, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. some people pick up little parts mm-hmm. of. It. Mm-hmm. And then we bought it on a upholstery company back in two thousand nineteen, mm. and and that's been. It was very difficult this because the we bought it from a guy, and we plan on him really helping us. He died two weeks after we bought it, and of so it made it very difficult. But yeah, yeah. But we turned it around, and it's du- we've doubled the volume in there, and so it's really become uh, – I kept saying, we, I know it looks like it's bad right now, but it's, I think it's going to be a great acquisition, and mm-hmm. it has
0: been. Oh, that is fantastic. That is fantastic.
1: <laughs> so um, And then Wendy Jane, my, my daughter, started that, and that's accessories. So that's pillows and rugs right now and outdoor lighting. And then Gabby has a huge lighting. Gabby has a big lighting presence. The upholstery. The upholstery is the biggest part. Lighting second. And then case goods is another part of that. Wow. Dining. You know, th- yeah. They're, they're going to Holt Home. Yeah. Wow. So so Gabby's we're, we're going to start opening. We open our first Gabby Summer Classic store mm-hmm. side by side. Mm-hmm. We're going to open another one of those in Annapolis. So stores oh, wow. is, is probably second in volume mm-hmm. to wholesale. So wholesales is the big Mothership. Then you have the the hardest part, which Mm -hmm. is selling to consumers. Yeah, retail. Mm It's really hard selling to consumers. And then that's the biggest potential growth part. And then Mm -hmm. we have a contract division that sells hotels, restaurants, nursing homes, assisted living, country clubs. Country club is on fire right
0: now. Yeah, oh, yeah. That part
1: of it is on fire right now. So that's the other business. And then we have e-commerce, which which we're launching. We have a website, but it's not a big part of our business, but we're relaunching – uh, under a new name, starting in the end of the summer. So in about three months, we'll have a big website introduction. We hadn't really even been pushing it because we're just not ready yet.
0: Yeah. Wow. So how are y'all keeping up with demand right now?
1: Overbuying. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, so we made. I call it the moat. Mm. You know, if you ever heard Warren Buffett talk about the moat, well, my moat is is. Buying enough in- inventory in advance, having enough inventory on, ex- on hand. Of course, we make our own cushions, so it's also increasing your production on cushions. And we're about four-week delivery on cushions, which I think is – I was talking to Brian next mm-hmm. door, and he's saying that's very unusual mm-hmm. to have four-week delivery on cushions right now in season. So we made a huge commitment to Sunbrella. Nobody has Sunbrella. Sunbrella is mm-hmm. December, January delivery right mm-hmm. now. And we've got you know tens of thousands of yards of Sunbrella. <laughs> And then we have sixty million dollars of inventory sitting there, waiting, waiting for you to buy. It. Yeah, so wow! It's, it's a willingness to go out front and say, "We're gonna, ha- we're gonna have product when nobody else has it, and we're gonna have lots of it, and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we're gonna take a chance that this is gonna sell." And having a history
0: helps, obviously. Yeah, yeah. So let me ask you this. So this is more of kind of an entrepreneur question, hat. Okay. You've you've been you've been doing this for a minute, and uh, you know now there's we're in May of 2022 for anybody that listens to th- to this in the future, uh, but there's starting to be widespread talk of a recession on the horizon. Okay, um, and because inflation is probably—I mean, the most in my lifetime—inflation uh, is up. So the, I guess the the math there is increase interest rates to make money a little bit harder to get to cool down. Um, you know, however, all of that e- economics works. But my question for you is, um, you know, and again, I'll use me as an example. We're we're growing incredibly fast. Um, we're for the first time in our business's history, we're inventorying and buying in advance so that we have material to sell. When we start hearing about the potential for a recession, what what do you do? I mean, what do you what are you doing? And or do you even listen to it? Do you just carry on? I mean, do you have any advice?
1: Well, you can't help but listen to it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's definitely, certainly, from a stock market perspective, mm-hmm. you're if because our our customers are generally wealthy mm-hmm. In and our, our son yep. we're like the luxury brand and mm-hmm. outdoor furniture gabby not as much a luxury but but i think I, I, I i'll tell you this this is kind of an unusual way to think about it i look at a recession as a positive it's a way to take market share right mm-hmm. now i'll i also look at inflation as a positive now too much inflation is not but here's it has a negative the big negative on inflation to me is false demand Mm -hmm. so people buy in anticipation of a price increase right Mm -hmm. and they're buying more than they need generally Mm -hmm. so it creates what could become deflation Mm. and there's nothing worse than that so i went i was i got to new york in 1972 And the textile mills were sold up for two years. And we were just getting into that inflationary period. Mm -hmm. So the prices were going up monthly almost. Yeah, similar to now, kind of. We were sold out for two years. We were on what they call call allocation. So I'm all fired up. I'm a salesman. I'm Mm -hmm. getting ready to go. I want to sell some fabric. And they said, well, it's really different right now. And it's like, what do you mean? It's like, we're on allocation. Well, what's allocation? Mm -hmm. That means we tell the customer when they can get it or how much they can get. All like, right. Wow. So, what can I sell? <laughs> well, they used to sell double nits, which were going out of vogue at the time, you know, in flannels. And so, <laughs> great. <laughs> like, well, I got to make a living here, you know. So, so it was a. Uh, so th- I, I got to live through that, and then I watched it peak. Fortunately, we didn't have a lot of deflation. So, mm-hmm. and I I'm pretty sure we're not going to have that this time. We are going to get rid of this logistical nightmare of the ink. Right now we have a surcharge. We have a 15% surcharge on all orders. Mm-hmm. I think that'll end up going away. It may be gradual, but that'll go away. But the reason I like the recession is sometimes it gets rid of competition mm. or I can go after market share. You know, so I'm constantly looking for ways to increase my market share. And so I think a recession can be a good thing. So you need to you I, you, know, you got to be positive all the time. Right, so you got to be positive all the time. You got to be moving forward. I say, if you're not moving forward, you're moving backwards. There's not yeah. such thing yeah. as standing growing, still. Yeah. yeah, you can't stand still. Not in this business. Mm-mm. And so we're we're getting ready to do a huge product introduction because what am I here in the marketplace? Everybody's coming to market, and we're not going to have anything to do. Mm-hmm. So I went, whoa! I'm going to do the opposite of that. I'm going to have a lot of new product mm-hmm. and. Kind of move the peanut is what I call it. You know, just constantly come up with new, exciting pro- – almost make my – And by the way, when you do that, your old product is a price and it's and it's inflating, right? Mm-hmm. New product, they don't know the price yeah. of a new product. So you're coming out with a new product it's, and it has a new price. So you haven't increased the price on it yet. So then you don't have an inflationary time period for the new product. So – that's another good thing about new product. Of course, it's got to look worth worth what it you know, it visually looks like and appears. That's
0: fascinating. That's fascinating. That's um, <coughs> fascinating. That is that is really really cool and um, gives me a moment. Uh, it kind of counters some of the things I've heard, so I appreciate you sharing that. Uh, so um, let's switch to your to one of your areas of expertise uh, as we gear up for summer. How should our listeners start thinking about kind of preparing their spaces for outdoor summer living? Um, what does that look like today? You know, what are the styles, and and how do we how do we kind of get make the right choices when it comes to
1: furnishings? Well, increase the size of your outdoor area as much as possible. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I Actually, no. The one thing you didn't mention is. You were talking about everybody sitting outside. You left out the COVID factor. That's right. So the COVID factor has made it where everybody wants to, to be sit outside. outside. So I think it's that's to me that's the big plus. But also, if you'll look at the fireplaces that are going outside, and uh, I'm I, I'm dying to try to figure out how to put coolers somehow to. Make it cool outside. Yeah. You know, then, like, then it'd be a sixteen-hour a, 16 put hour an a ice day machine on top of the, <laughs> and have the air, water. I don't know, just something that <laughs> creates uh, coolness outside. Mm-hmm. But I think they've got these little, you know, where they spray oh, it. Oh yeah, the misters. The misters. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The problem with that is it, everybody's hair gets all messed up. So, <laughs> but but I think it's the. the we're going to come up – I'll bet we come up with a way to make it cooler outside than than it is, like air, outside air conditioning. Wouldn't that kind be of nice? In, yeah. so that's coming. But these areas – I have an area at our farmhouse mm-hmm. that's a screen porch with a fireplace, mm-hmm. and we are literally living out mm-hmm. there all the time, mm-hmm. and it's so neat to be mm-hmm. out there. And I can tell you that the, what makes it is the furniture. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, number one, it's comfortable, but it has the appearance – is welcoming, so you mm-hmm. you had this this feeling that it's you know when you go out there just it makes you feel really good. Mm-hmm. So we go out there and obviously drink uh, adult beverages mm-hmm. and smoke cigars and stuff like that, and it's and everybody just loves being out there. I think one thing I've learned as far as and I learned this a long, long time ago because I was working with Hilton Ed – is they wanted to have it where you don't really see the outdoor, you kind of look mm. through it, and so. Mm. Making the product look like the woods and the flowers and the leaves, and mm. so you'll—that's why you'll see a lot of wood tones. Mm-hmm. We're doing a finish called oak that's really gotten really important. Mm-hmm. So it's a not a red wood finish, but it's a light medium, kind of like a driftwood. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're, we're working on we're working on something that's almost like driftwood. Oh know? wow! It's a whitish, yeah, yeah, tan kind of color. Yeah. yeah. Well, and what's funny is. And these light grays, you know, and so you're trying to match the trees and the grass. And so, you'll, although whites are coming in right now, so this, this depends on the area. But I'm, I think these these large areas, particularly with lots of seating, deep seating, mm-hmm. you know, and now I don't think a lot of people realize this. We designed a cushion mm. that has a it's, a, it's really two cushions. So the first cushion has. Foam inside it. Now the big problem with outdoor furniture has been that water. When water gets in it, right, you can't get it out if it mm-hmm. has foam in mm-hmm. there. So mm-hmm. we came up with a product that we wrap it with that repels water, and then we were able to put us. We're using like Tempur Pedic foam yeah. inside, so so the sit is like incredible. Wow! And then no moisture gets in it, so you can leave it outside, <coughs> and it's made a huge difference. It's called a dream cushion, so okay. it sits like a dream, and then, and a lot of people don't even realize that exists because they're always worried about their cushions. Of course, cushions get pollen on and stuff like that, but this this really has made change the world for a lot of people because they're worried about leaving the cushions out and. I wouldn't say you want to leave it out in a big rainstorm. or a monsoon, but, yeah, but one or two rains get yeah, it. I have mine at yeah. the farm. I have mine sitting outside all the time. And so I'll go on walks and then go over and sit on the outdoor furniture when I get tired. And it's, it's, it'll rain the night before and I'll go. It's fine.
0: So uh, quick question,
1: kind of going back to
0: the business you've built. and uh, Do you view your business as, you know, you started as you wanted to start a brand. And obviously, you have product. Um, what's been more important, the brand, or and I know they work together. I know they work together, and you can't have you know a great brand and then have you know a chair that breaks if you sit on it. Has that been more of of your success as creating a great brand, or has it been the, the kind of the quality in the in the product. design?
1: It does product. It's one hundred percent product. I mean, I, I, the i wouldn't have the brand without the product okay. it's it's also a differentiation in other words it's not the same as everybody else and although a lot of people are copying us right now so i mean it's that's really just happened in the last uh few years here so i think that a lot of the indoor guys are trying to get in outdoor so they're mm-hmm. they're looking at our product and saying this stuff sells let's make that mm-hmm. so we got to move the peanut thing, mm-hmm. you know, we're really going to work on changing things so, so everything doesn't look the same. It's also making, I think I was the first one that made outdoor furniture look like indoor furniture. What do you think is a, the biggest question? When people come in a summer classic store and they walk around and they stop the salesperson or the design consultant, and what do they say? Probably, can I use this outdoors? <laughs> yeah, no, they say, "Where's your outdoor furniture?" <laughs> wow, and we wow. Go, we go like, "This is it," and this they're it. like, "You can put this outside? You how? You know, this is like they don't believe it." So and so that was the whole concept. Yeah. It's making well, f- the first idea was to make it last. So I didn't I didn't think the whole the whole business model wasn't going to work for a long time because I'm going to make stuff that's going to last 15 or 20 years outside. By the way, it's going to cost more Mm -hmm, to do mm -hmm, that because mm -hmm. I got to have special UV requirements and aluminum's got to be better. I had to have all these special specs. Mm -hmm. And when I originally went to Asia, they were like, You're crazy. You don't know. You you know, you you just just need it to last a year. I said, No, I want it to last 15 or 20 years. And they're like, Whoa, this is going to cost a lot of money. I said, I'm okay with that. Let's just make it. I want to make it right and yeah. last, and then I want people after they had it that long to tell other people. And they, and design it in such a way that they will still like it, that it's not crazy design. You know, mm-hmm, they'll still mm-hmm. like to look at it. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and it won't work for 15 years. So I'm kind of at the, you know at a period where a lot of that stuff's been out there 15, 20 years, and they're going like, you know, I've had my stuff 20 years, I still like it, and they're coming in and buying new cushions for it or something mm-hmm, like that. But it's, mm-hmm. it's created a buzz, mm-hmm. and that's really helped us. Yeah, as opposed to it being you know, Throw again, nothing
0: against uh, like a Walmart or a Target, like, but it's just a very different league. I've got a great Walmart story if you want. To yeah,
1: it. I would love to. Because, so I'm in the showroom in Chicago, and the Walmart quality control lady comes in, and I'm and I'm I'm walking around saying, "You know, you can't afford this, right?" She says, <laughs> "Yeah, no, I'm just here. I was, you know, I've got some extra time. I'm looking around at the good stuff." <laughs> I said, "Hey, do you mind? Do you you happen to know what? Do you have UV requirements mm-hmm. for paint?" Mm-hmm. She said, "Yeah." I said, "Do you know what they are?" She said, "Yeah, I know." Mm-hmm. So, so UV requirements are the amount of UV hours a product will last. Okay, ours is two thousand hours. Oh wow! Right, so that's that's uh, five years t- before it even starts to fade to change color. I said, "Well, would you mind telling me?" She said, "Well, it's it's ninety hours." I said, "Well, that's not even that's not even six months." She says, "Yeah, I know, and the buyers are all over me trying to get me to reduce it." I said, "Well, I, how's the customers? The customers going to bring that right back?" No, no, you don't understand. We own our customers. What do you mean you? What do you mean own your? No, they'll just come back and get new. Oh, I was like, goodness. wow, that's pretty cocky. You <laughs> think you own your customer like that. So they saw it as an advantage. Yeah.
0: Yeah. To have saw bad it as quality. a huge disadvantage. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: And was, mine's the opposite. I was like, wow. Wow. We're polar opposites. Anyway, wow. I don't know if you can get that'll get into the podcast, but it's a pretty interesting story. That's
0: a, that's a very neat story and not completely unexpected. Uh,
1: yeah we wonder what the difference in in Walmart and some yeah, of the classics that's, that's is that's that's a
0: pretty that's a pretty yeah. drastic disf- difference so um, we we're, we're talking about quality so what are your top tips for enduring the outdoor elements what should our listeners be looking for when they want a quality product that's going to last okay
1: the single we have one huge problem right now okay that nobody really thinks about everybody's either putting in are converting their pool to salt water. Uh, so we're we're constantly dealing with and mostly we're dealing with people that have converted they've bought furniture that's not salt water furniture and they're converting their pool from chlorine to salt water. And that is like putting your furniture on the ocean, not not like you had a house and yeah. it's out near the ocean. This is like you put it on the sand right down yeah, there. Yeah. And so the salt spray is coming out of the pool onto the furniture, and it's deteriorating it really quickly. And we have specs for salt and and brackish, and then in uh, in this not you know mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. Alabama, like mm-hmm. natural. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So uh, so you have to buy salt water furniture for salt water pools. So you have to buy ocean. We have something called ocean designation. And so you need to – and it's only two things that have a five-year warranty for Ocean, and it's resin, resin wicker, in other mm-hmm, words, mm-hmm. the the PE wicker that we use, polyethylene mm-hmm. wicker that we use, and on an aluminum frame, and then teak. Those are the only two things that are going to last five years long. And then we have a three-year warranty on aluminum because we use a special finish, a special pre-wash, and a special architectural-grade paint. But <clears> – <throat> It's only warranted for three years, and it's probably going to start peeling in three years if you have it on a saltwater environment. Wow. It's pretty pretty difficult to make I, furniture know, that lasts in salt spray. Isn't that something? A lot of people will replace it. I mean, yeah, there's, there's yeah. some of that competition will replace it, but I'm, the hassle in replacing, or it's, in many cases, they make you pay the freight, which can be almost as much as the furniture sometimes. Wow. So, isn't that something? I don't think people look at like that. Now, there's a trend right now hmm. to plastic. Hmm. And there's uh, companies like Pollywood and all these guys mm-hmm. that are mm-hmm. doing plastic milk carton furniture is mm-hmm. what a lot of them refer to it. And we're we're developing a product that's, that's an unusual combination of polys, and it really looks like wood. I mean, I'm never saying it, but it's more expensive again. Mm-hmm. But it's... Mm-hmm. But I just can't stand. I don't like the way that plastic furniture looks. Yeah, yeah. So we're introducing that this summer. It's called Endura Wood, mm-hmm. and that's that'll be fine for that'll be the perfect solution for the ocean or saltwater pools or tough environments. So how many how many people
0: are in your organization?
1: It's about somewhere between four and five hundred.
0: Wow, and really Good. Goodness. So you guys well, have if you everything about from, factories, it's from thousands. So you have everything yeah. from research and development to. Designers to salespeople, to factory people, to freight and logistics people.
1: We have five in house designers that just design furniture. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that something? Yeah, it is. (laughs) Isn't that something? I used to do, I still do design work on the outdoor, but it's just like, this is what I'd like to do. You know, I used to do it myself. I was like, this is really hard. And then I found a designer that could draw it where I didn't have to like go to a factory and make it on site. <laughs> they, would, they would take the drawing and make it from the drawing, and it would be pretty close the first time. Shortened everything where you could come out with lots yeah. of product. It made a huge difference.
0: How cool! How cool! Yeah, sir. So you do you do much business mm-hmm. in Asia still?
1: Yes, tons, yeah, tons. tons.
0: Do yeah. you get over there as much as you used to, or
1: no? We don't. Yeah. We actually have eleven staff members in China and Indonesia. Wow. We have a VP international. He's in Hong Kong, but he, he, this is a really cool story. When COVID hit, mm-hmm. he runs across the border into China, and he hasn't been back in two years, more than two years now. He hasn't been back to see his family in Hong Kong for over two years. Why? Because hes he knew that his job depended on him being in China, because that's now, where the factories are. that's a loyal are. employee. <laughs> I'm telling you, this guys he's incredible. Now, he came to us. Four years ago, and said, "We got to get out of China." And this had more to do with po- politics, mm-hmm, mm, than anything else. So he's, mm-hmm. my wife and I are having dinner with him. There's a big crowd of our, our executive team. He said, "We got to be out of China in four years." Of a-. His name's Pam, by the way. It's a girl name. I said, "Pam, that's impossible. We can't get. Do you, you realize what's coming out of your mouth? That's crazy." <laughs> I was like, "I'm telling you, we got to move." I said, "Is that a political statement, or is that some quality? Why are you saying that?" Political. I mean, he realized it. He said everything's changing. Xi Jinping is changing everything in China. We got to sure get is. the heck out of there. And so we started moving all of our production to Indonesia. Mm-hmm. We got up to sixty five percent Indonesia uh, at the end in the, in the twenty in twenty beginning of twenty twenty one, but. The volume requirements that we needed were so high, we had to open two new factories in China. So we're oh like goodness. back in. You know? Yeah.
0: Um, okay. Well, uh, this is this is fascinating. So uh, so okay. Getting back to getting back to furniture, outdoor furniture um, uh, trends twenty twenty two. The next two or three years, um, you've hit on a couple. Uh, but specifically Mm. you mentioned lighting earlier, um, being in the Nashville design collective, get to get cool exposure to, to some neat things that are going on in outdoor living. Lighting is something that jumps out to me. Um, can you share with our listeners what, what we're seeing outdoor living lighting? I, I think that's a kind of a neat thing and it's everybody kind of understands furniture, but you can really start to again, bring the inside out. With these different lighting products?
1: Yeah, I think we're. Well, one of the things is you gotta have a special UL requirement. So mm-hmm. I think that's really critical. But one thing we did a little bit different than everybody else is we took our wicker colors, our our resin colors, and matched mm-hmm. them, in them and then do some lighting and looks like that using wicker. It's real casual looking, but it's very cool. Expensive, but they're beautiful. Mm-hmm. And so it gives you the room a whole different look. And so we've done teak lighting. Mm. i don't think anybody's done you know wow. this t- wow. type of thing and then we take some of our aluminum finishes and then we're taking some special outdoor fabrics for the shades you know oh, wow. things we can do the, back in the day we used to do fa- all of our fabrics and we had a cover that went over your shade the problem was it it was not translucent so it kind of blocked mm-hmm. this, the light so we ended up not doing very well with it but it's a good idea of putting, you know, you just take the fabric. Oh, sure, sure. Would and put elastic around it, and it would fit around the shades. Something like that, I think, has a lot of potential merit going forward.
0: Yeah, that's very, very cool. Very, <clears throat> very cool. Okay, so tell tell our audience something that you would like them to know about Summer Classics and your brand.
1: That they're really missing out if they don't have it. <laughs> hey,
0: I, I agree.
1: Yeah, I think I would. I, Rather, let me get, let me give you a couple things. You can either put these in or not. Um, I read a book, uh, and I think most of your clients are entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's a book by Gina Wickman um, called "Entrepreneurial Leap," and unfortunately, I read it after I was sixty. And I was like, "Man, I wonder if I've got that." He said there's six traits an entrepreneur must have, or they can't do it. I was like, "Okay, I can't wait to jump into this." <laughs> So it's uh, it's visionary. You've got to be able to see the future. Passionate. You've got to be, I think, hopefully, your, your people that are listening to this can tell that I'm passionate. Driven. Driven is, I call it, the stay awake. Because mm-hmm. uh, you can't go to sleep. You're so driven, you've got to figure out the next thing you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Or you're, This drive, you're driven by whatever it is, growth. Your business, your, it could be, you know, personal drive. Mm-hmm. I want to have a better marriage or whatever it could be. Responsible, kind of goes without saying responsible. And then this is the big one, risk taker. Mm-hmm. And I look at, I watched this uh, Elon Musk uh, show on SpaceX. I was like, now that guy, <laughs> I thought I was a risk taker. <laughs> that guy is like crazy. So I was like, "That is the ultimate risk taker." Somebody's willing. He plunked down a hundred million dollars to mm-hmm. start SpaceX of his own money, and then it didn't work, and he had to do it again. That's very. That's what a risk taker is. I used to put up my house every year for like ten years. I'm like, "This is crazy." Mm-hmm. But you know, you got of. It's I call it. It's also believing in yourself. That's right. That's right. Is the betting on yourself, profile. believing in yourself, and problem solver is the last one. But those are those are six traits, and you got to have all those, or you're. Or don't even try, you know. So, or maybe your partner has some, half of them. You have half. You're probably going to argue a lot, though, if that's mm-hmm. if you're split on those personality traits. And then, and then, other advice I would give you is, um, I, I think the most important thing for me has been relationships. Relationship with my spouse has been, you know, probably I would say amazing wife, amazing life. And then relationships with my employees. But the relationships with my vendors saved me. So during the recession, I owed, the, I owed Royal Bank of Scotland $20 million. I couldn't figure out. I was praying every night. I couldn't go to sleep. I couldn't sleep. I know, like, I got, I'm not going to get through this by myself. Finally, and I, I will say, I got this from God, told me this. I called my vendor, my biggest vendor, and said, I don't know what to do. He said, well, I'll help you. To, just don't pay me. I'm like, ever? It's <laughs> like, no, you have to pay me eventually, but but I'll let you ride your payables. You know, I'll let you ride your payables. How long? 180 days. And if you have a problem, just come back to me and we'll try to figure it out. So how much? $2 million. Mm. So I went, okay, wow, this is huge. So I started calling my other vendors. And I, I raised $5 million in a period of 30 days calling my vendors and asking for additional terms. And that was free money. That was I wouldn't even have to pay interest on it. I wouldn't like borrowing money. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so I paid the bank back from twenty million to two point eight million up here in nine months, just doing stuff like that. Reducing my inventory too. I reduced my inventory, turned it to cash, then had my suppliers back me. You know, mm-hmm. by not mm-hmm. paying them. Sure. And then if I got couldn't pay, if I got to the time I agreed to pay them and couldn't pay them, I would call them and say I can't pay you this, but I'll pay you that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And constantly watching my cash flow, but I got through that and you know, made a huge difference and I think it saves me, you know. Uh,
0: I would say so. And yeah. the other attribute that I would bring up there is you swallowed your pride.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean
0: it's it's yeah. it may have a, been forced into you, but you yeah. but that was an ability to do that and
1: solve the problem. That uh, was part of that MBA and mistakes I was telling you about. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Growing too fast or whatever it was. I mean, i was, I've, from doubling every three and a half years since I started the business to to shrinking thirty percent. Wow. I was like, I don't know if I can shrink thirty percent. Well, to you, let all those people go.
0: You know, it's funny that you say that because some, <laughs> some days, some days I think, man, you know what? I'll just uh, this is too hard. I'm just going to go back to to you know just me and, and I can just do a couple orders here and there and I'll be good. Well, that's impossible. Yeah. And that's impossible. There's you, you either go up or you go out. out. (laughs) Um, and, uh, I think that, you know, there's, there's no safety in in the other, um, and again, for, for a lot of, you know, it is, it's, it's tough. Absolutely fascinating, and um, uh, my goodness, what what a story, and what an amazing yeah, journey! There's a book. Then get yeah, the book. <laughs> I, yeah, and and we're about to talk about that. So I'm, I'm going to assume here we're going to rapid fire favorite book, book you're currently reading, or book you'd like to recommend. And I, I'm going to go ahead and say, definitely, we're going to link to this book so people can get it. But but is this your favorite
1: book? No, it's not my favorite book. <laughs> <No. laughs> I really did it for my grandkids' grandkids, you know, yeah, sort of saying, awesome. hey, this wasn't easy. This is, there's a lot of grit in here of pushing through difficult situations. Yeah, yeah. And then hopefully entrepreneurs or women like it because there's a love story in there too. So how long have you been married? 50 years in July. Man, congratulations. So long yep.
0: congratulations. Long time, yeah. Congratulations. Longer than, most, probably longer than you've
1: been alive. It is longer than I've been alive. <laughs> and,
0: I, and I'm fortunate. My folks have been married 54 years. Okay, that's great. And and yeah, so you, it's you know it's it's like it's a smaller and smaller club.
1: Yeah. Now, here, yes.
0: um, and it's yeah. a
1: great club though. Um, that's, you know.
0: Well, I can right tell club. you, I'm coming up on my ten year anniversary, and I I was sharing with just a couple team teammates the other day. I would I don't know where I'd be without my wife. Yeah. I'm sorry. But I'm I right. can tell you, it wouldn't be here. Yeah.
1: Uh, it wouldn't be. And uh, yeah, I just I, had so I don't many know where I'd I I wanted to give up and I was just say, This is ridiculous. I was making a quarter of a million dollars a year mm-hmm. and I'm making forty thousand on I
0: mm-hmm. can't do this. She's mm-hmm. like,
1: You can do it. I believe in you mm-hmm. and I'm saying, Okay, you believe in me, maybe I can. So that was a that was a critical part of the all right, my book. <laughs> my book. Uh I you know, my favorite book was Pillars of the Earth, Ken Follett. Have you ever Oh read yes, it? yes, yes. I love that I've book. I've actually read that book. Yeah But but I read a book about a month ago uh, called A Land Remembered. Have you read that? It's about a guy Florida? that goes Yes, a guy that goes down to Florida. That is at too into the, the Civil War. So
0: too interesting. So another gentleman just dropped that book off for me to read. It
1: is incredible. Well, I wouldn't read it. I would do the audible. Okay. The guy that does the audible on this book is like changing his voice from old man to kid. To an Indian, to a female Indian, to a, a, a Dodger, you know, old wow. Dodger. It's, it's it, the way he reads, I'm like going, wow, this guy's amazing. And I think that's my favorite book. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's, about, it's really about Florida. And, and one of the reasons I got interested in it is this is a great story. And of course, you can cut anything you want to cut out. My great grandfather got convinced to go buy a bunch of land down in Florida mm-hmm. in the late 1800s. So his daughter writes three books about him, and one of it has them going down to Florida. They have to—there's no roads. Yeah, yeah, So they they take a train to to Birmingham, and then Birmingham to Jacksonville, Jacksonville to Sarasota. There's a a hotel at the end of the train line in Sarasota. Mm -hmm. They got off, stay at the hotel. They're all excited because they hadn't stayed at the hotel. Mm -hmm. And they get on a boat, and they go out in the ocean to get to this land. There's a hurricane hits. Oh, no. They get stuck on an island. And then the, my grandfather takes the ten grandchildren, including my, my grandfather, if he died on this, over to the other part of the land, and he goes back and gets the captain and the mate. Wow! And they're all crying on shore because he didn't come back. He didn't come back, and they think he's dead. And now they're stuck in a land they don't yeah yeah know <laughs> anybody. Know how they're going to get out of there? And he comes back. Wow! And the hurricane goes away, and they spend the summer on the land. And then it's 50,000 acres, right? <laughs> and they're growing pineapples and then. And in this book, there's something called The Great Freeze, which you'll read about. Mm-hmm. And I suspect this is why my great grandfather lost his land. But at the, at the end of this, at the end of the paragraph, he says, and this, she wrote her book in the early 1900s. And it says, and this is all the land that's now known as Fort Myers and Naples. Wow. <laughs> I went, oh my God. Oh we my goodness. all the
0: land between Oh Fort my, my goodness.
1: <laughs> uh, well, think
0: about how much patio furniture you have yeah, down there exactly. now. So, so, and it, so that-
1: Naples is half over half our volume in the whole, I state, oh, in the I whole state. I bet. Yeah. Oh I bet the whole
0: state. I bet. No, that's amazing. That's amazing. Uh, okay, Beecher Mountains. Beach. I have a place in Pont de But, oh, but I, like, I like Mountains. I love wonderful. mountains too, yeah. Wonderful. Uh Favorite Room in your home.
1: That's easy. I have a I have a room that I built that has a gall that's two stories high. And it has I had started collecting leather books when I was in New York in the seventies. Oh wow. And so I had the leather book and then I had I had collected eighteen nineteenth uh, nineteenth century art from England. Oh. So I had all these – I had nowhere to put them. So I had these pictures, these oil paintings, and I had all these leather books. And I was like, I don't I don't know why I did this because I, I just need something to collect, I guess. And so I built this room that has a library all the way around two mm. stories, first mm. story and the second story. And then it's got a gallery, you know what I'm saying, where you mm-hmm, walk around mm-hmm. the top story. And, and then it has two – I don't live on the golf course – it has two huge – 14-foot windows and a fireplace in the center overlooking the golf course. I always wanted to do, I designed this room.
0: My goodness. I actually had my... I can smell this room. I had my designers,
1: mm. and then I had a factory in Vietnam build it out of mahogany what? and finish <laughs> it and bring it in. Wow. And I was really worried that I'd made the room too big and it wouldn't be comfy, but it's, you know, it's 24 by 24, and it's very... <laughs> It, you don't feel like it. sounds like it, it heaven. Like, it's incredible. And I'm in there. All, and what? Where do you live? Birmingham. Oh, Birmingham. wonderful.
0: Do you, are you familiar with uh, Mountain Brook? The Mountain Yeah, that's Brook where it is. It's in oh, wonderful. It's on wonderful. Cherokee wonderful. Road. Right okay, we're coming down there a couple weeks. We do yeah, a lot of come work. come by. With I'll a, show you this room. Yeah, I would love to. We do a lot of work with a, a firm down there uh, called Jeff Duncan Architecture. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so so, so Niket uh, is in my vestige
1: group. Oh, okay. called Duncan and Niket. Okay, yes, yes,
0: yes. Yeah, because they did a bunch of stuff down in, like, Rosemary and yeah, he's the con-
1: He's the contract guy. Mm-hmm. He does the the apartments and stuff, yeah, yeah. and Duncan does the yeah, – Yeah, yeah. No, no that's no, he- awesome. Yeah, he's, we do a lot of shots at his houses. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, I think he sort of invented what I call the new architecture. Yeah, yeah. Which is this white, mm-hmm. smooth, with uh, metal – glass and mm-hmm. glass mm-hmm. the iron and glass yeah and, iron and glass it's, yeah
0: and just the detail and the oh, organic man, he is it's, really good he's really really good yeah he's been a blessing to to us mm-hmm. okay well uh, thank you so much for being our guest and sharing more information on outdoor living and just and you could ever uh, use. (laughs) Well, but but really a life well lived. So thank you. Uh, for more information Mm -hmm. on you. you can visit his website, Bewhite dot com or summerclassics.com. Follow on Instagram and Twitter uh, Twitter at SummerClassics. Check out the show notes for links. Uh And uh, we're going to put the book, A Summer Classic, on there. And uh, you can also connect with Bue. Ladies and gentlemen, until next week, I'm your host, Andrew Denny. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, we would love for you to share Couture and Construction, and we want to hear your feedback. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Couture and Construction is brought to you by Textures Nashville, produced by Davis Osborne and Chelsea Rand, and is recorded live in the Textures Nashville showroom within the Nashville Design Collective.